This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. With a heavy heart, David. It is. It's a beautiful day here, but God, waking up this morning, Rog, and the news from Brussels, terrible. We pod with grief after watching the old gruesome savagery unfold in Brussels. Pod mm. with heavy hearts. Mm. Sending our thoughts and our love to all of our listeners in Belgium mm-hmm. and across Europe. We adore your country. Spent some fantastic time in Brussels and Bruges and beyond. We revere your team, your manager, Mark Wilmot. Yeah. War pig. War pig. You're suffering. That's what we should all say today. Just war pig. Oh, say it every day, mate. M effing war pig. To all our listeners in Europe and Turkey and Yemen yeah. and Ivory Coast and Nigeria, we send our love and our support. We wish you valiance and excuse mm-hmm. our Flemish. We have wishes for all of you for better shop. Actually, Vonson Company, David. Yeah. Who is a remarkable man. Yeah. And I'd say a great leader off the field as he is on it. Both. He tweeted beautiful thoughts today. He said, horrified and revolted. Innocent people paying the price again. My thoughts are with the families of the victims. I wish for Brussels to act with dignity. We're all hurting, yet we must reject hate and its preachers as hard as it may be. To the football, as ever, in light, in time of darkness, David. Yeah. Well, our spirits were lifted, Rog, before the terrible events of today. Yesterday, Jeremy Roenick, Rog. Shoot first, pass later, uh, joined us in the panic room for an epic, epic episode it, it, of the it, Men in Blazers show. It's epic than that, David. Yeah. Uh, uh, Joe Bong tweeted in to say, Jeremy Roenick, just as awesome on Men in Blazers as he was on NHL 96 for Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for you, though, you, you tweeted it was yeah. possibly a career, new career highlight. highlight. Career highlight. He wore his Men in Blazers war pig tie on... Uh, NHL overtime last night. It was just wonderful. I tuned in, waiting for Men in Blazers to start. I don't often watch the show, but I tuned in. There he is wearing our tie. It was a wonderful moment. For those of you who don't know who Jeremy Roenick is, European listeners, he's like the Gary Lineker of ice hockey. If Gary Lineker had had his head pounded in uh, by huge Canadian men on regular occasions. One of only five Americans, and when I say Americans, I mean American-Americans, not Canadian-Americans, to score more than 500 goals in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I was particularly thrilled to have him on. Yeah. Because as well as being our boss, tells us when we can come on the air on a weekly basis. When I first came to America, I moved to Chicago. Yeah. And week in, week out, I used to watch Jeremy Rooney. used to watch him fight. I used to watch him play, yeah. slash fight, <laughs> slash score. They're the same thing. On some terrible, terrible, terrible Blackhawk teams. Uh-huh. He was so much better than everyone around him. He was just like the only class on the ice. And it reminded me, at the time, Peter Beardsley yeah. was winding down his career, slumming it on some terrible Everton sides. And when you saw Peter Beardsley, little midfield genius, he'd often just play a ball and it would look like it was to nobody. And it would just bobble out of bounds and people would be like, what the hell is he doing? But the honest truth, it was a brilliant ball and just no one around him knew what to do or where to move. He was just playing the game on a higher level. That was Jeremy Roenick. And yet, <laughs> one of the clips we showed on the show was him wrestling an alligator. <laughs> I couldn't imagine Peter Beardsley doing that. 
That's not the smartest thing to do. Yeah. On a golf course, actually at Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer's golf course down in yeah. Central Florida, there's a, a little alligator just resting by the side of a lake. And he goes and jumps on it. Yep. Peter, wrestles I think it. Peter Beardsley's motto in life was always be the alligator. <laughs> but he did. There was probably a reason why this gentleman now jumps on alligators in truly frightening fashion. Yeah. Tell us a great story about Craig Berube, Washington Caps enforcer. Um, he and Ronick had a brutal fight. I think Ronick did him possibly in a slightly dodgy way. And he said for six years. <laughs> what with a shiv? For, I, don't, I don't know quite how it went down. Yeah. But it, it meant that every time he played Craig Berube's team, for six years, Craig Berube would always be on the ice, just chasing him around in-game, going, I'm coming for you, Ronick! I'm coming for you, Ronick! And he said he never got me, and then he retired. And Ronick said he was winding down his own career at the Philly Flyers. Yeah. And he was in the locker room, getting changed, just minding his own business. Berube had become a coach for a minor league team within uh-huh. the Flyers organization. And he said he was just sitting there, and Berube just walked right in and cold-cocked him. <laughs> and then picked him up. Shook his hand and said, that's been coming to you for six years. But, but the way he told the story, with a smile on his face, like it's totally a fair cop, like no yeah. problem at all yeah. with what he did. When you live in that world, you end up fighting alligators. It should be said, quite a soccer player, David. Yeah. He said if he, he was a better soccer player at 14 than he was a hockey player. Uh-huh. Should have stayed in the game. Yeah. Eric Winalda, mm-hmm. Jeremy Roenick, Joe Max Morline might just have won us the 1998 World Cup. History yeah. would be totally different. Don't forget Jeff A. Goose. Love to do more hockey, David. Yeah. Love to get Henrik Lundqvist into the oh, panel. I love him. By the way, I'd love to do a Billions post-game show. But we already do do a Billions post-game show. We're the only it's all two we ever talk about. Who like that I show. think we're the only two people in the world. I'm, I'm properly obsessed with it. You're one episode ahead of me right now. Yeah. It's uh, the best episode I yet. I love it. I really, really, really love it. I'm obsessed with every detail. I watch scenes again and again and again. I just constantly rewind and watch I've again. I've noticed you've started to dress a little bit more like Axe. <laughs> axe, Axe. On a daily I basis. Know. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. It's terrible. By the way, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Get in our panic room. Yeah. Get in our We'd panic room, Giamatti. I need to address those of you who've written in about the sudden outpouring of Tracy Chapman fast car covers mm-hmm. like a rash. Yeah. Possibly the most sent-to-me tweet ever. Mm-hmm. Sending me the New York Times route about how there's a couple of songs out right now. Other than the fact that I look like the Ukrainian president. And yeah, lot, and, which and, is true. Which is probably my number one sent-to-me tweet ever. Number two <laughs> is the horse who dressed up in the three-piece tweed suit. Yeah, we saw that. One, Fetching. Um, for those who don't know, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Uh-huh. It's been covered by not one but two DJs. Have you heard it, David? I haven't. London producer Jonas Blue, and then simultaneously Swedish bloke Tob Tok. Uh-huh. I Many, love Top Talk. Oh, Top Talk. You do? Yeah, love him. Love him big time. <sighs> yeah. Get in our panic room, Top Talk. Yeah, absolutely. I think a Top Talk Giamatti one too. Yeah. Just, I'm, I mean, the stuff that dreams are made of. Many listeners are probably too young to remember the original, the Chapman original, a simple acoustic ballad, the best kind of ballad mm-hmm. about young hope cruelly dashed in the face of brutal life realities. Mm-hmm. I find it very reassuring. One of the very few songs I fell in love with the first time I heard it, David. Huh. You've done that. Have you heard a song ever and just been like... Yeah, oh. a song by Vance Joy, Georgia. I f- love that song. Really? Yeah. First time I heard it, like, blew me away. <sighs> you can't That's just something recent I remember, because, as you know, I have the memory of a goldfish. I'm not I don't sure really what my position is on ukuleles. <laughs> I don't know that there's that much ukulele in that song. <sighs> that was the other one. The only songs I can think of that are like that. New Order. Yeah. Blue Monday. Uh-huh. Sujan Stevens. Yeah. Alone With You. Mm-hmm. And Chapman. Yeah. T. Chapman, Fast Car. Mm-hmm. The Vance Joy of my generation. (laughs) 
The challenge with the new versions. Yeah. The original, if you've not heard it, listen to it, because it's sadder than Arsenal's season. It's soul-destroying. Just her voice, the lyrics. And the new versions, Dave, they are so upbeat. It's her lyrics. But they're like... I feel like we've been talking about this Tracy Chapman thing for about 35 minutes now. Yeah, it's I a, had a little doze, and I'm, I came back, and we were still talking, we're talking about, about it. We're talking about it for a third of the time we talked about <laughs> Spanish golf. Well, so, yeah, but you edited that out. No, no, no. It flew. It flew. We now got four new listeners and Costa Magoof. <laughs> and that's about it. The new versions. Everyone yeah. wants to talk about Tracy. Who doesn't want to talk about Tracy Chapman? If you don't want to talk about Tracy Chapman... You're not alive inside. But the new versions, they're so happy and jaunty. Uh It's like jarring. It's like laughing at someone else's misery. And I try not to do that unless Martin Skirtle's involved, David. Do you remember when we were growing up? Yeah. Well, some of it. You reach a stage in life where songs come out and your mum and dad would be like, oh, that's a cover of one that was big when I was growing up. Yeah, unless it was a cover of Marla's Fifth, my parents wouldn't have had any idea what it was. <laughs> I remember there's a band I love, Japan. They, did yeah. a, they released the song Second That Emotion, which uh-huh. was a Smokey Robinson hit. Uh-huh. And my dad went mad. He said, the original, that's the only one you need to listen to. And I thought yeah. he was bonkers. All of life comes full circle, David, with that Tracy Chapman song, is all I'll say. Last thing, yeah. Tracy Chapman lovers, football lovers, mm-hmm. I'll be in DC on March 30th. Mm-hmm. GFOP's in DC save the date I think I might find the best place to raise a glass with you I don't even know where the best place in DC to get well, Guinness is nowadays what day is March the 30th it's a Wednesday Rog yeah. interesting one night only uh, okay Rog we've got a packed show we're going to break down the brother versus brother sky blue versus red poo emoji versus 187 cars for kids commercial that was the 171st playing of the Manchester Derby we're going to recap Poo Leicester emoji. City's third straight 1-0 thumping of Crystal Palace in South London. And we're going to relive both the football and fan cutaways from the Tynham Weir relegation scrap between Newcastle and Sunderland. Plus, Tim Howard comes home to MLS and US Saka's massive week ahead. OK, to the football, Rog. Crack open that beautiful new Guinness can with the toucan on it, holding two glasses of Guinness on his extended beak. Hence the toucan. Exactly. Two cans of Guinness. Except they're two glasses. Anyways, I totally well, get it. I want to raise this glass to Rebecca Lou, David. Yeah. Stepped Rebecca. off this weekend to start a maternity leave before she gives birth to baby Rob Lowe. Yeah. What a human being she is. Uh-huh. What an inspiration. We'll miss her. Yeah. I know you all will, listeners. And we wish her and her husband, Paul, and the whole growing Low family yeah. health and happiness. Yeah. We'll look forward to Arlo White crushing the role in the Arlo, weeks ahead. another member of the Low family. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, Rog, we're now between 29 and 31, 38 of the way through the Premier League season, depending on who you support. A few distinct mini tables, not mini carts, Rog, mini tables are starting to form for the title, for the Mi- top four. Microsystems. And with the mid-table, Rog... The bleak mid-table and the relegation battle. We start right in, in that little fourth-place mini-table, Rog. Manchester City nil, Manchester United won. One of English football's youngest players steals the headlines in one of its oldest rivalries. 18-year-old Marcus Rashford, just a baby, Rog, scored the game's lone goal in the 16th minute, sitting down the hapless Martin Di Michelis just outside the area. 
before slotting the ball past Joe Hart. The win moves LVG's men within one point of fourth place Manchester City. Oh, what an odd addition of the Manchester derby this was, David. Two lame duck managers, combined age, 127 years and one month. The oldest duo to ever take charge of these teams. And what teams? Two bedraggled, confusing, underperforming squads. Game which is normally blood, thunder and passion. Felt more like two teams just holding on. And the atmosphere was just so damp and resigned. I mean, it kind of matched the stakes, which unusual for a battle of this magnitude. It was really all about a tiny modicum of self-respect and the pleasure, the peculiar pleasure of preventing the other from finishing in the top four. Yeah. I mean, it's been weeks since Manchester City looked like they were even attempting to contend for the title. And obviously, the announcement that Pep Guardiola is taking over from Pellegrini has sort of changed the entire atmosphere of that team and its fans, of the entire community around the club. Yeah, there's a beautiful verb in Liverpool, which hasn't really made its way over to America before. But if you ask someone to do something and they don't want to, they say, can't be asked. Yeah. I can't be asked. Yeah. Manchester City truly cannot be asked playing football. And the big team news going into this game, Fonson company out again. He missed five months earlier with a muscle injury. Same muscle again means he's out for a month. 13 games with company. Mm-hmm. Manchester City have conceded just six goals and lost twice. Yeah. In the 17 without him, they've conceded 26 yeah. and lost seven games. Orc international Nicolas Otamendi wasn't fit. So City had to throw Mangala and Di Michelis in at centre-back. They're really a liability more than a defensive tandem. Di Michelis in particular... He's kind of the footballing equivalent of the Apple iPhone SE. United began with the confidence of a team that had won just one of their last eight away Premier League games. City huffed and puffed to assert themselves. Silva tried to buzz. Raheem trotted. Jesus Navas does whatever you call what he does. And then, out of nowhere. Yeah, Marcus Ratchford. Throws of puberties, Marcus Rashford. Yeah, latches onto a clever ball uh, from Juan Mata, who looks back to some of his best. He's, he's lots of industry, full of clever runs. Throws a great pass to Rashford. Rashford, his eyes light up one-on-one <sighs> with Di Michelis. Seemed like that was one, the game plan. One-on-one with Gramps. <laughs> Seems like that was the game plan all along. He went around him, Rog, his right foot going around the left of him so easily. I had to rewind to go and see if I'd misseen it. Um, but went around him so easily, and Rashford opens up his body and slots it uh, past Joe Hart. 18 years and 141 days old. He yeah. is English Mallory Pugh. I mean, it was, it, life is amazing. One minute, you're having a bar mitzvah. The next, you're screwing the winner in the world's most watched football game. What I love about Marcus Rashford is the joy on his face when he scores. It's the joy of a local lad living out his wildest dreams in full public view. It's impossible not to root for that. I mean, it's just all too rare in the modern world of sports, which kind of tilt towards the puppy mill of kind of talent development. And he'd just been through the first mini slump of his career. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. He was over. The media, the the media over. had already sort of declared, all oh, the problems he scored. No, they'd gone to another cycle. Yeah. He was rumoured to go become Real Madrid's Marcus Rashford. Yeah. And then, they, then he's over. Yeah, then Finished. he's over. Had it, lost it. For me, he's in danger of elbowing Juan Mata out as the one player you're allowed to love under my law of even on teams you detest, there's always one player you can't help but admire. Really, I mean, what a life he's had, Davo. Yeah. Just 18. I mean, 
and now he makes a lot of you think, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And I, I felt the same. Well, yesterday in the Daily Mail, they had a headline that was married man, 27, arrested for having sex with a stranger on a Las Vegas Ferris wheel, is murdered in a carjacking while driving his stripper fiancé home from work. <laughs> Typical. And when I watch Marcus Rashford, or I read headlines like that, sometimes I think, I'm just not living enough. Well, some of these kids also seem too young to have realised they're English, Rog. And Rashford, Deli Ali, the same way. They play a form of football with a directness, a speed, a sense of purpose, a lack of self-doubt, a guile. His just ability to find space, his movement. When you watch that goal again and you watch it from the tactical cam, the, the camera behind the goal, watch Rashford's movement there before he gets the ball. It's fantastic. And they all know he's going to receive the ball. They all know that he's the major threat. But they find it impossible to stop him. <sighs> the game became a bit crap. My only pleasure in that first half is watching David Silva and Juan Mata constantly duel for little headers in the middle of the park. It's like watching two baby sea lions fight each other for a fish at feeding time. Yeah. I know United fans were thrilled with the win, but to see a United team content to play on the counter against a completely disinterested City team, yeah. there was a point when I realised I'd rather have watched two huge piles of cash play football than the players that that cash was spent on. Man City's match day 18... $460 million. Man United, $430 million. It's nearly a billion dollars, David. Can well, you imagine? Yeah. Two massive bundles of dollar bills just blowing gracefully in the wind with the sunlight beautifully lighting them. The cotton fiber linen blend, it would have been majestic. Yeah, both teams entirely lack a center. Yaya Toure did act in this game as though he cared a little bit more. There were, I, would, I counted eight one and a half minute spurts during the game when he gave seven, a crap. But he gave them mostly in the first half, <laughs> yeah, bizarrely. When he gave a crap. There was the penalty that was yeah. not given. Oh my God, on Rashford, that was crazy. It was sad to see Michaelis helpless in the face of Rashford's youthful exuberance. Yeah. Even sadder though, David, to see his reaction. He was a professional so humiliated at his yeah. job that he and Fernandinho Child had abuse. just had no option but to claim Rashford had dived. Oh, awful. The last resort of a man hanging off a career cliff in full public light of day. And then Di Michaelis completed his Di Michaelis hat-trick. Oh, my word, the back pass to Joe Hart. A literal hospital pass. Yeah. Saw Joe Hart injure himself to prevent a goal. He's going to be out for a month. Mm -hmm. Pellegrini yanked off the Argentinian. Yeah. City tried to summon their lost ability to impose their will against all comers. But Di Michaelis, just to go back to him for one second, he made me marvel at late career John Terry, a gentleman with a similar lack of speed who has been able to mask that lack of speed with great tactical prowess. Yeah. You do, you kind of reevaluate these old defenders when you see a defender just completely, woefully blow up in full public eye. I mean, City tried to come to life. Cunaguero hit the post. United worked hard to lock the game down. City reduced the firing long-range shots aimlessly in the general direction of De Gea's goal. They had 26 block shots in this game, Manchester City. Hmm. Matumbo numbers. Jesus Navas has not scored a league goal in over two years, David. Yeah. Like you and me. Yeah. It's astonishing. As astonishing as just the incredible state of malaise that now hovers over City, who are now only one point ahead of Manchester United, having won eight of their last 21 games. They've won none against the top six this season. Arsenal actually topped the top six charts, mm. which is a complete narrative change for them. So the only because Chelsea aren't in the top six. <laughs> is it just the Pep Guardiola thing, or is there something more than that? 
Well, I think that's got to be a large contributor. I think the loss of De Bruyne and Delph has really, really hurt them. They lost two very, very important players there. But I think there has been the focus of their spending, obviously the loss of company, but their backups, when you look at their backups, the backups they're able to bring in and that lack of speed. The big change for me in the Premier League this season, and it occurs to me the more and more football I watch this season, is there is more speed top to bottom in the Premier League than has ever been before. And the one thing that the big teams haven't done is they haven't managed to bring in speed. They've brought in a lot of experience. They've brought a lot of brand name international players, but they don't have the speed to contend with the Marises, the Vardys, the Deli Allies, the Rashfords, this new generation of players who play so quick. I mean, City have won three out of the 11 games since the Pep announcement. But to me, it's more than just about Pep. City had a spine which took them to the league titles. And when you look at that spine now, it's just corroded. Company and heart are injured. Silver's not the threat he has been due to perpetual ankle injuries. And Yaya, beautiful Yaya, suffering from whatever it is that he suffers from on a week-to-week basis. And it's no surprise the transfer rumour mill is connecting City to an entirely new spine, the Pogba's, Cruces, Thiago's and Johnny Stones's, because Pep is going to inherit a rusting squad. And that's why finishing the top four is going to be so important for them, Rog, uh, in order to bring those players in. Well, it is shocking, David, because there's a massive chance that Pep is not going to inherit a Champions League team. Mm -hmm. And there's also a chance that Jose Mourinho, rumour mills Jose Mourinho, rumoured to have signed a pre-contract agreement to become United's next manager, Mm. according to Spanish outlet El Pay. With the former Chelsea manager due to get up to $21 million, that's a job I'd love in compensation if he's not made the manager. (laughs) One of them, definitely, possibly both of them, will be outside the Champions League next season. And the United, we should pause for them for a second. It was a great win for their fans. Somehow the traumatic blows and repeat humiliations they've received just don't stick. Unbelievably, and this may be the ultimate testament to how poor the big clubs have been this season, Davey, United are still in the run for a Champions League place. Yeah. How is that? Um, Well, I mean, certainly the beginning of the year, their defence were very good. The one thing I'd feel pretty positive about, were I a United fan, Rog, is the number of, you know, Van Gaal has rotated that squad a lot. They've had a lot of injuries. Is There are some very good young players coming through in that squad. That is the one thing that they've got, which I'm not sure any of the other top teams, you know, outside, obviously, of Tottenham and Leicester have really found this season. In the past two months, every dawn has been a false one for United. Everton and Spurs await in their next two league games. So let's chat after that. This game may ultimately have turned out to have been a bigger win for West Ham United than Manchester United in terms of the final ultimate top four. Okay, let's go to the team at the top. Crystal Palace nil, Leicester City one. Rog, the Foxes bring their barnstorming counter-attacking style to Crystal Palace, to South London, and maintain their five-point lead atop the table. Riyad Mahrez's 34th-minute goal proved the difference. While Leicester is penthouse, Palace is pavement, Rog. They're 16th. 16th! <laughs> Feels just months ago that we were talking about this team contending for the top four. They're 16th, just seven points clear of the drop. The waking dream continues. And this, the Rebecca Lowe, Arlo White derby. Oh, Palace yet to win a game in 2016. You're the monkey. It's just not been kind to them. It hasn't been. But how brilliant are Leicester? Strong enough to defy the curse of Rog. <laughs> My Leicester City dot ran last weekend and yet they still won. Yeah. 
You can see the documentary online. We posted the link. Did it run after the game? On our Facebook. It, oh, interesting. Interesting theory, yeah. I think it ran after the game. Huh. Oh. Oh, not so oh. quick, Mr. Ranieri. Yeah. I was super going By the way, it was a crazy rush job to make this film. Yeah. So I had a lot of stress dreams. Mm-hmm. And on the night before I did the voiceovers, yeah. I had a stress dream in which I repeatedly had to mark N'Golo Kante for mm-hmm. an entire game. Yeah. And it was utterly impossible. Uh-huh. It's like trying to grab a bar of soap in the bath over and over again. It was uh-huh. a corner. kept just losing me yeah, from my marking. That. I woke up about four or five times just covered in sweat. I have to say, N'Golo Kante, a more unfulfilling sleep of desperation I've never had. A beautiful setup for this game. What a fascinating first half. Yeah, it was. Uh, Roy Hodgson, Uncle Roy, Rog, in the stands, uh, watching all of his new young England players uh, on show. I don't think anybody's had the heart to tell him that Riyad Mahrez <laughs> isn't actually English. But Danny Drinkwater just uh, called up a fantastic uh, through ball to Mares in the first half. Uh, Hennessy with a very, very good save on that one, as Le- you said, accidentally. Leicester were organised, they were a machine. Palace were a desperate, frenzied mess, but they ran at such pace. Yeah. They could always create danger. And there was a moment when they adjusted their lineup. they pulled Balassi back to leave Adebayor up alone, and they started to impose themselves in the midfield battle. Mm-hmm. The second they suddenly seemed to have the upper hand was the very moment Leicester took advantage of the growing confidence of Palace, and they sucker punched them. Yeah, what a goal. Scored at such speed, Vardy, on the left side of the penalty area. I mean, he hits a ball across that I don't know how Mahrez controlled it, let alone shot it into the back of the net. It was so quick. When you look at Mahrez's run, he actually was running in from the flank. Ball and man kind of charged together in a beautiful kind of conjugal force equals mass times acceleration. It was honestly, I haven't seen such kind of like just conjugal bliss since Ben Higgins and Lauren Bushnell on the old uh, bachelor, bachelor. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, what would you call that well you know <clears throat> the, the hand signs you're making i'm not sure i can say that <laughs> on a uh, family rated podcast oh it was emotional it's all i can say quick feet quick minds quick passes mm-hmm. ben higgins and lauren bushnell <laughs> palace desperately tried to get back into the game throwing on sacco for adebayor at half time their improvement was tangible energy levels work rate crossing final product not so much apart from a moment of desperate panic at the end. Schmeichel flapping at the cross that was only just cleared and from the resulting corner. Corner comes in from Kabai. Scott Dan gets to the header, heads it back in. This is after he's just ripped Hooth's shirt off at the other end on a corner. By the way, I've watched the Hooth shirting, yeah. the, the pantsing of yeah. Hooth again. Yeah. If you've not seen it. It's a remarkable thing. I try, you know what, I dress and undress my son all the time. Like you, you, change, a, you change a four-year-old, five-year-old into pyjamas. It's hard. It's hard getting that shirt off. It, he gets his shirt off anytime. Anytime, Scott Dan, you want to help me get George ready for bed, come over because the speed with which he did that. What I've realised is Scott Dan was doing what a defend, good defender should in the Premier League, uh-huh. which is grab onto your opposing attacker's jersey with both yeah. hands in a way which all Premier League referees say, play on now. Yeah. And what Hooth did was quite crafty. He bent yeah. over at the waist yeah. and actually just pulled backwards. Yeah. It, it was Hooth de yeah. himself. A oh. very clever way. A very clever way to try and get a penalty. In horror, Scott so, Dan just drops a jersey. Uh, so German. Yeah. So German. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was, it, go, watch it again. Is the, okay. It is actually he self-depensing. He himself. Yeah, self-depensing. That's interesting. German ingenuity. Anyway, back to injury time. Uh, the corner comes in from Kabai. Uh, Scott Dan with the header. Not the depanser. The person who was depanced on he by was a, victim, a German. Not the a victim. Oppressor. A victim. Uh, and Damien Delaney. Oh, 
It's right there for him. Volleys it into the bar, Rod. Oh, yeah, former Leicester player himself. Leicester City, though, now 1-0 experts. Four out of their last five games have been won by this scoreline. This for a team championships. that couldn't get a clean sheet at the beginning of the season. And after the final whistle, a bullion Leicester fans refused to leave the stadium. Fantastic, David. Yeah, shirts off. Human emotion signs stayed behind to chant, we are going to win the league over and over and over. They are self-aware enough to savour every second of this fantastical journey as well they should. And Ranieri said after the game, the title is now in Leicester's hands. Amazing words, David. Part of the film, there's an interview with um, Gary Lineker and Uh Ranieri after Leicester had won their first two games. And Gary Lineker jokes to him. He goes, yeah, you're top of the table, six points out of six. Are you going to win the league now? And Ranieri just like laughs awkwardly at the, at the joke. It's, it's kind of like when you pat a little kid on the head and be like, and hello, little boy, are you going to be president one day? And that joke has turned out to be utterly true. It has been an amazing spectacle. At CRB0122 said, Elie Wiesel's book, Night, destroyed my faith in God. 2016 Leicester City, giving me hope in supernatural forces once again. At Fake Plastics Now said, remember... A Hulk Hogan sex tape is worth over three times Leicester's roster. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, there's one team I think can catch Leicester. Tottenham host Bournemouth beaten 3-0. Harry Kane surpasses Jamie Vardy as the Premier League's leading goal scorer, tallying twice with the first coming just 44 seconds into the game. That, that'll settle your nerves. Christian Eriksen <laughs> added a third after halftime. Spurs stay five points back and within... Striking distance, Rog. Many Spurs fans a little wobbly ahead of this game, having witnessed the midweek Europa League capitulation against Dortmund. Yeah, just smart capitulation. A little sense that the you know, legginess may kick in. That's what a Pochettino team does. The worries, as you said, lasted a magnificent, a nail bite. I didn't even have time to bite my nails. 44 seconds. What a magical finish, David. Yeah, a magical goal. I mean, Loris with a fantastic... Uh, Clearance, pass really, long pass to Carl Walker. Uh, Carl Walker just showing what he does really well as a defender, attacks. Uh, he chiruns, uh <laughs> up the right wing. Superb ball into the corridor of uncertainty where Harry Kane... Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Harry, or, is, or is it the corridors of the, uncertainty? The corridor of uncertainty. <laughs> uh, gets onto the... Uh, gets goal side and ball side of the defender. But that finish, there was so much work to do at that point. You need creative visualisation, you need confidence, you need, you need magic in, your, in, your, in Billy's boots, Rog, to go and finish that one. And the second, more joy. Well, the second was a very, very different goal. It was that sort of direct running from the entire team. Deli Alley puts a pass that looks so simple, but it was just so perfectly weighted. Playing on home turf, he knows the speed of his own grass. Rog, but puts it within stride for Harry Kane to go and put it in. Beautiful goal. Oh, said on the show, the two of them, Kane and Dele Alli, as syncopated as Lynn Miranda freestyling with President Obama. Yeah. After the game, Kane took time to reflect on his own rise at a club. Better known, it could be said, for splurging cash on the glut of slightly dodgy continental exports yeah. that's remade itself, as you said, over the past two years as a font of English youth development. He said, if I can be a role model, I can make another manager play a young player coming through rather than buy a player. Mm-hmm. That's 
incredible. And he talks about how managers like to buy established players and more, quote, experience. He said, Premier League managers have got to realise they've got players under their nose that will give everything to the club they've been brought up with. You think Kane, you think Rashford, you think Iwobi. It's one of the stories of this season, David. Harry Kane, now this season's Premier League top scorer, which is unbelievable when you see that he let everybody else get way ahead of him with just one goal in the first 13 games. Yeah, he spotted them a lead. And this is another guy who talked about John Terry earlier. Harry Kane does it without outstanding speed. He does it with desire. He does it with will. He does it with just insane professionalism. There was a great video put out this week of Harry Kane training, of him boxing, of him boxing with pads. And just you forget about his workout. Just look at his face as he's working out. It's the kind of intensity that you just know he's a winner. Oh, an astonishing winner, Dave, especially considering he's his team's only striking option which doubles the pressure, doubles the expectation on his shoulders and the fact that he's English, which quadruples it. Mm. Five points behind Leicester now Spurs. Spurs fans take solace that their plus nine goal difference over the Foxes, Mm -hmm. almost all of it earns in two games against boys against men's Bournemouth. Sorry, mini carts. Spurs now head off to Liverpool next. The title race is not over yet. No, not at all. And I'm looking down the fixture list. Chelsea still play against Spurs. They play against Leicester. Uh, two enormous games that could uh, decide this season's title race. Uh, OK, the Tynan Weir derby. <laughs> Rog, made more interesting by the two managers. Newcastle won, Sunderland won. Paella versus Pie as Rafa Benitez meets Big Sam in a Tynan Weir derby with relegation implications. J-Dub's Sunderland went ahead courtesy of a 44th minute Jermaine Defoe volley. Jermaine Defoe! But in the 83rd minute, a header from understated Serb, oh, so understated, Alexander Mitrovic, (laughs) rescued a point for the tune and bedlam ensued. But a point apiece is not good enough to rid either side of the relegation zone stench. 154th Tynan Weir derby. Yeah, it feels like more (laughs) just in the last 10 years. Sam Allardyce called this the northeast biggest derby ever. Mm -hmm. And it was. The closest we'll ever get to watching two condemned men fight to avoid falling through the Premier League moon door. Yeah. We keep no headsman in the eerie, my lord of Lannister. Mm-hmm. Open the moon door. Newcastle, they'd lost the last six of these, David. And new manager Rafa Benitez opted for an attacking lineup stuffed with speed. Shelby trying to propel them forward. Townsend providing the early outlet. Newcastle's pace and power repelled by one man, Jan Kirkhoff. Uh, as Sunderland tried to prosper off Defoe on the counter and DeAndre Yedlin, who's oh, fast becoming... throw-ins. The his Pelé. Rock, He's the Pelé of throw-ins. throw-ins. He is the Pelé yeah. of throw-ins, Davo. But yeah. it would be Defoe, predictably, perhaps, who'd open the scoring. Yeah, Wabi Kazri. Roger, I love that name. Wabi Kazri uh, with the corner. Ball ends up going to Barini. Barini thumps it. I've got to tell you, good shot. Amazing save by Rob Elliott at speed. Thumps it out. But of all the people in the world for the ball to fall to, Jermaine Defoe, not in Toronto anymore, just slaps it into the back of the net. 1-0 Sunderland. eighth goal against Newcastle, who then tried to huff and puff, create a series of half chances down the flanks in the second half, but got the finishes all wrong. All became desperate, frenzied football in which the fear outstripped the quality. But it was impossible to take your eyes off because Sunderland had failed to keep a clean sheet in their last 16. 
So it came as no surprise then when Wijnaldum, yeah, 83rd minute. It, it, it was a moment of quality. It was a fantastic ball. He beat his defender one-on-one. Fantastic ball into the far post. Mitrovic was asking for it right there. He's being marked by, I mean, DeAndre, amazing at throw-ins, not very good at jumping Poor over guy. Serbians. Poor uh, guy. He, he felt like he got an elbow. He felt like he got an elbow. Sure. He got it was Mitrovic, of course he got an elbow. It was like Tracy McGrady leaping yeah, over him. Pretty much. Uh, Mitrovic goes the up an elevator. Serb. He takes out his stepladder, jumps up to the top of it, waves hello to Yedlin, and just uh, nods it into the back of the net. Cue euphoria, Davey. Yeah, I mean, shirts off, dance off. Newcastle have this kind of incredible mythology of fan favourites, in which Mitrovic is now firmly ensconced. It's like a modern-day Tamori Ketz Do you remember it? Yeah. The Georgian striker, he scored a winner for his team in 1998, really worth YouTubing this, rips off his jersey and just runs over to the advertising boards and starts just kicking them, booting them on the side of the field. At Neon Ribald Sly tweeted us, and it sums it up beautifully. He says, Mitrovic, he's Serbian gronk. <laughs> They're oh. similar. The fan charging onto the field, Dave, just the perfect. You've heard of a Hollywood ending. This is really a Tyne and Weir ending. Yeah, it really was. No game gives better fan shots than a Tyne and Weir derby. Yeah. We thought about on the show showing no action at all, but just showing the game as experienced by a role of exhausted, passionate, confused fans. No football at all, uh-huh. but you could tell the whole thing just by the sheer looks on these amazing fans' faces. Both teams drop points, not losing, arguably winning for Newcastle right now. But in truth, this was the best result of the season for Norwich City. Newcastle's next game, Davo, at Norwich. Oy. Whatever happens to the two teams from the northeast, David? Yeah. And I pray they somehow manage to salvage it because it is an amazing region yeah. with two terrible, terrible team owners. There's one title that can be never taken away from them. A study released this week, 10 years of data from the Department for the Environment Uncovered. Northeast is Stand Up Northeast, Britain's pie capital. Yes. Big find of the study. Pie consumption, David, plummeting in your neck of the woods down uh, south. Plummeting. Yeah. But the good citizens of the Northeast brought an average of 3.2 ounces of meat pies, pasties, and sausage rolls uh-huh. per person every week. <laughs> no, they didn't have any information about whether having Sam Allardyce and whole Steve Bruce living in that area was yeah, muscular. That, single handedly. <laughs> Sam Allardyce left London and went up north. I think we figured out the entire, the entire uh, shift in the data. <laughs> Uh, okay, Roger, another remarkable game of football. I'm not sure because of the football or just the comeback. Southampton 3, Liverpool 2. The Saints storm back from 2-0 down in the second half to send Jurgen Klopp and Co. back to Merseyside empty-handed after a stunning collapse. Two goals from substitute wow. Sadio Mane and one from Graziano Pella. See, Ronald Koeman's team moved within four points of the top four. I don't know what to say about this game. Oh, no, it could have been 4-2 if Mane had scored the penalty. After emerging victorious from the Europa League tussle against United, yeah. against Manchester United, a series Daniel Taylor of the Guardian called a War of Schadenfreude. <laughs> Liverpool had their swagger back. Your kind of war. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp had called the United matchup the mother of all games. This then was more the cousin twice removed, Dave. Game against Southampton the baby mother of most of the Liverpool players. Liverpool were cruising. 
Yeah, Coutinho scored the first, Rog. It was almost <sighs> like a prototypical. It's the kind of goal I imagine he's getting bored of scoring at this point because he's like, I've scored this goal so many times before. When is anyone going to learn that I'm going to cut inside and I'm going to hit it right there? It's the kind of scorcher that's going to turn him into Barcelona's Coutinho pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, true. Lallana, Origi, Sturridge all excelled in that first yeah. half. And that Sturridge finish, so oh, complex for the finish. second yeah, very, very quick feet, Rog, from D. Studge. Uh, he scores the second, goes into his uh, dubstep arm wave. I still love that dance, Rog. I still enjoy it every single time. Certain members of the Southampton yeah, fan they base who were doing so in their face enjoyed it slightly less. A lot, a lot of them held up a number of fingers that showed yeah. them exactly, we're going to score two goals yeah. and get back into this yeah, game. Exactly. Joe Allen could have added a third so easily, Rog. Yeah, indeed. He had one called offside and one yeah. that he should have finished. And Liverpool went into the locker room knowing that they'd never lost a Premier League game in which they'd been leading by two goals at half-time, David. However, Jurgen Klopp is a man who knows records are there to be broken. Yeah, and he'd celebrated just a little bit too enthusiastically right in front of Ronald Koeman. And I can't believe that Ronald Koeman didn't take a little snapshot of that moment and say, boys, we're going to go and wipe that 78-toothed grin right off his German face. No one loathes the Germans more than the Dutch. Remember this. They, the Dutch, loathe the Germans To be so candid, much. though, Ronald Koeman. Yeah. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's quite yeah. a stern and stiff man. Lutheran, Strikes me as yeah. the kind of man for whom a crack of a smile when the opposing manager yeah. scores a goal, pulley and noise. Way, too much. Way, Way too, too much. much kind of celebration. I know. And, and Jurgen Klopp is like, it does feel to me that he's celebrating for the cameras a little bit or for his own fans. He's doing something. It was just a little bit too much. If he is a man who loves to celebrate, he's also a man who clearly loves to live life on the edge because he pulled off the shaky love run and replaced him at halftime with the even shakier Martin Skirtle, oh, fresh back word. from injury yeah. for his first game since December. Skirtle trotted on like a middle relief pitcher tasked with doing a specific job in the middle innings. And Skirtle's job was seemingly to give the game away. Yeah, it took did. four minutes for Skirtle to come undone, doing that jersey-pulling thing he's trademarked in the penalty area. Yeah. Mignolet saved the ensuing penalty kick brilliantly for Mornay. Yeah. But Mornay would have the last laugh, scoring twice as Pella added another. And Skirtle was at fault in ever more calamitous ways for each one. The third goal mm. was a defending masterpiece in which Skull just took out Joe Allen with just yeah. a ploughing tackle. It was a yeah. fantastic way Who doesn't like chickens. to self-disrupt his own men. At Holy Calamity tweeted, can we talk about how skirtling has come to mean something much worse than a crotch grinding on your head? <laughs> Tough loss for Liverpool, trying to get back into that top four race themselves, Rog. And in fairness to Skirtle, he's been out forever. And bringing him on, age 31, when he's looked like a liability for a while, was a curious tactical decision by Jurgen Klopp, one that will haunt him, Skirtle, and the substituted Lovren for a while. For Southampton, hope abounds right now. Mane received the plaudits, but Wanyama stepping up physically really changed the course of the game as much as a physical, self-sabotaging comedy genius of Skirtle. And Jurgen Klopp, at the end, walked onto the field to blast Benteke to his own face after the final whistle. Mm. That man has gone from elite Premier League striker to public stress reliever, scapegoat and managerial piñata. Yeah, I didn't like seeing that, Rog. Everton, nil. Arsenal, 
Talking about things we didn't like to see. Arsene Wenger's men rebound from FA Cup and Champions League exits with a convincing win at Goodison. That guy, Welbs, we presume it's Welbeck. It really could be somebody else wearing a Welbeck suit. Started the scoring in the seventh minute, capping off an incisive move engineered by Alexis and Ozil. And just before halftime, Arsenal went route one with Alex Iwobi, Rog, latching onto a Hector Bellerin on his birthday. Long ball to bury a lacklustre Everton. Arsenal entered this one. Just a bundle of fear. Wenger had begun the weekend worried about securing his all-too-familiar fourth-place trophy. We need to look over our shoulders. It's very tight. It is tight. He said after his team's customary Champions League humiliation in Barcelona. Last six seasons, their round of 16 exit in the Champions League. It's just become routine. His team entered the game sagging down the stretch while true contenders are peaking. And this was a game pitching two brittle defences into competition. Teams took turns to take punches and discover whose glass jaw would shatter first. Mm. That is a game Everton are never going to win. Yeah, but it was so sad after watching Everton play with such guts and gusto and just steal against Chelsea. Yeah, a team they don't like, clearly, but they don't like Arsenal much either. And watching them seed a midfield battle Rog, a, def- a central midfield battle. Two of all teams, Arsenal. To play tactically it was, it right was into Arsenal's hands. Yeah. And the first goal was classic Arsenal. If you can remember back to the history books of like circa 2013, when they scored like this for fun. Movement, verve, and a ruthless clinicality as opposing defenders can only look on and ball watch in admiration. Mm. Fantastic strike. Yeah, well, very good one, too, on the outside of the area from Sanchez and Ozil. And Welbeck, just since he's come back, Rog, you know, Welbeck, I often have thought that he's one of those strikers who does his best work not striking. He does his best work as a defender, (laughs) defending wide, not actually striking. But his movement since he's come back has been sensational. And it's not only his movement there, his finish is superb. It's more than the goal. Yeah. It tore off the pattern of optimism that had descended upon Everton like a coat of dust after the FA Cup win yeah. against your mob. And the crowd started to groan along with every misplaced pass, and there were many. Oh, there were a lot of them. To be outmuscled in midfield by Arsenal is just to understand exactly what your position on the food chain is. Way below the apex predators, way where we're like a perch in a Swedish lake where we can eat the shrimp. Yeah. But are going to be devoured by the osprey and the northern pike. Well, you will be devoured... When you miss a key player like Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry, a player who, I just remember, not many Everton fans, yourself included, were that excited when Gareth Barry was coming to Everton. But he is so valuable to them in midfield. He's just an English player who understands the Premier League. He understands the battles. He understands the mental side of the game. He understands tactically how you have to adjust on the field. You cannot see what happened to them at the weekend happening had Gareth Barry been there. That makes me sad in itself, David. It says the same thing, mid-table, when your team aches and cries out for 87-year-old Gareth Barry. Yeah. Suspended for that Chelsea red card. A posthumous victory for Diego Costa after all, David. (laughs) Believe me, if there's one team Diego Costa does not want to see win, it's Arsenal. (laughs) Speaking as his spokesperson. exactly. I'm I'm not comment. No comment. No comment. After watching every opponent just successfully press Arsenal into panic submission, it was very avant-garde to not press them at all. Yeah. Really was. And Everton had lots of ball in the second half, made nothing of it. Mm. Lukaku's body language went from withering to berserkly frustrated yeah. as the half wore on. Mm. 
rumours of him leaving for a Champions League contender now abound. He'd be happy to lose in the last 16 of the Champions League every season. Uh, I remember watching the great Philly slugger John Crook yeah. slap a single that mm. moved his lifetime average to 300. Yeah. Simply retire mid-inning. He just picked up the first base, <laughs> put it under his arm and, and that was it. walked out of the game. And that's what you think Lukaku was doing. Well, in the first 45 minutes, yeah. I honestly thought Lukaku was just going to channel Crook. He's in a Crook. Yeah. Just walk off and keep moving probably all the way to Real Madrid mid-game. There is something about that goal against Chelsea that that goal against Chelsea might have been it that might have been the greatest moment he could have at Everton ever and that could be it yeah it's like I said last week see last week's pod I am numb Dave you're getting the <laughs> this part of me wants to just sing Yazoo's don't go Yaz here America yeah. but I'm gonna I'm gonna rein it in Dave I am numb because Everton had no teeth none of yeah. the bite charge forward headlessly, leaving themselves needlessly and cluelessly exposed for Iwobi. Yeah, Iwobi. This was a great goal, actually. Uh, but once again, I mean, Everton lost the ball maybe Twice. three times, actually, <laughs> between, between uh, Arsenal's, uh, just out on the edge of Arsenal's penalty area, central midfield, and on the edge of their penalty area. Again, ball breaks upfield. Fantastic pass from birthday boy Hector Bellerin. Uh, finds Alex Iwobi, Lagos born. I mean, he's a player we've heard a lot about over the years coming out of uh, Arsenal's academy. I mean, he's just, but my God, he's got something he's 90, quite special. Quite and as he special. sprinted in on goal, yeah. I said to myself, surely the child will fluff this. Yeah. He's not, he's not get. oh, he did. Yeah, it will be. He did. I imagined Arsenal fans around the world looking at each other and just bellowing, we're Iwobi's team now. 2-0. Yeah. I thought Everton had Arsenal exactly where they wanted them. But no. The no. first thing I thought when that goal went in yeah. is, what is Theo Walcott thinking about this? Oh, that's so interesting. I thought, yeah. what's Marcus Rashford thinking? Uh-huh. He would have thought, ah, first Champions League start, yeah. first Premier League start, first uh-huh. Premier League goal in one week. That's yeah, quite see, a like, week. Old people can do it For too. For such a young He's kid. Thinking, old people can do it too. <laughs> oh, poor Theo. I'm sure Arsenal have got Theo cleaning a Wobie's boot. Yeah. So that's how it works there. Booze. He would probably agree to do it as well. <laughs> Booze rang out at full time. Mm. Everton scouts have clearly not spotted Arsenal's weakness, that they are generally crap. Mm. I want to thank Arturo Callisto. He tweeted in Tristo now, Tempi Felisada Sim, the Brazilian songwriter Yobin, who once said, Sadness has no ending, happiness does. On the evidence of this game day, though, that's just about right. Sadness, it's all I've got. Never mm. take that away from me. I was left by the end of this with a face like crying Kentucky Bangle. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, Chelsea 2, West Ham 2, Roger. Game of horse in which each team scored. It was a good game, actually. Scored Fantastic. a worldie. But after blinding finishes from Manuel Lanzini and Cesc Fabregas from a free kick and a tidy Andy Carroll effort, it was an 89th minute Cesc spot kick set up by Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I should say, that tied the game. West Ham are now just one point behind fourth place City, ahead of United on goal difference. Chelsea in 10th. Fantastic game of football. Yeah, it was good. That Lanzini opener ripped oh, straight from the pages goal. of our favourite erotic novel, Shot Caller. Yeah, we love that. We love that book. I mean, Payet gets all the spotlight, but Lanzini, he's been magical. Yeah, he's been so good this Midfield season. Midfield balance comes from that guy. No yeah. surprise, West Ham announced today they've completed the permanent signing mm. of the 23-year-old for Smart. £30 million from Al Jazeera. Carroll, that pass from Payet, goal of a shagger. Yeah. But Chelsea, Davey. Well, I mean, look, I must say, you know, Cesc Fabregas came in for a lot of stick this season 
uh, after the firing of Jose Mourinho. Definitely, he was seen as being one of the main culprits uh, in a team that, after coming off their champion season, just had done very little and did very little to protect uh, their beloved uh, manager. But he's been fantastic recently. And Four in this goals game, in his last night. He took it by the scruff of the neck. That free kick was superb. It was just superbly taken. Shot and he, caller. And he just he, he led the team through his own uh, will. Amazing to see, finally, Gus Hiddink brings on Ruben Loftus-Cheek ahead of Matic. Let the um, kids let play, the kids man. Play. It seems to be working at other places. <laughs> and just the infusion of pace and strength. You know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is so often is played in, in sort of defensive midfield because of his size, but actually he's, a, he's, he's more of a sort of a forward. He's more of a sort of a yaya kind of a player. Not that good I yet. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, David. Well, he gives more of a crap, but he's not that good yet. But he won the ball in the A so direct, and his speed... You know, you look at that goal uh, that they got, the penalty they got. He runs from the edge of the box. Fantastic run from Willian, but Loftus-Cheek starts behind him, gets all the way up the field, takes the ball, gets fouled. In truth... And I should say that to some of my West Ham mates who immediately emailed about it. Yes, the foul was on the outside of the area. He clipped his heels outside the area. The contact continued through. Shouldn't have been a penalty, but I completely understand why it was given. No way a referee is going to see it at that pace. Determined performance from Chelsea. I mean, you and I have been... For no reason. For no reason. To finish 10th, it doesn't like me. matter. You sound like matter. me. No, it's You're not giving like me you. some me. I'm I not think, buying it. No, I'm different than you in that. Many I ways. think the only point of playing football, of competing in sport, is to win things. So to me, to be in a season where we have no chance of winning anything... It just is like, who cares? It's just like watching pre-season football for me. <sighs> Though I do enjoy the International Champions Cup. <laughs> I am quite partial to yeah. the... Uh, um, I mean, you and I have been talking about the deterioration of so many Chelsea players this uh, season. Courtois. And this week... Courtois not even in... Adrian Durham wrote this today. Is he even in the top 10 of Premier League goalkeepers? He isn't. Yeah, I mean, last season we were agonising over is David De Gea or Courtois the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Yeah. Now if we're debating Courtois at all, yeah, well, like, well, like, would you prefer Courtois or Bradley Guzan in goal? Or Schmeichel. I mean, he's not as good as Schmeichel. Is so, he as good as Boric? I, had, I have no idea. He does not look in the top 10. Both, that Lanzini... He would be the 12th best goalkeeper in MLS right now. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, Howard coming in, maybe the 13th. I have no idea. He, he might not beat Josh Saunders for the NYCFC start. Yeah, job definitely right not now. get the gloves from Bill Hamid. But respect to West Ham, 50 points, most they've had at this stage in Premier League history. And I love Bilic's comments post game. Mm. He said, We tried to play too sexy, but not penetrating enough. Somebody other than us, Dave out, has been reading Shot Caller. Yeah, well, I do think, actually, that there is some truth to that, is that uh, West Ham fans have got to be looking at Bilic and seeing what he was doing 2-1 up in the 80-whatever minute, and he's got, like, half of his team sitting right there in the Chelsea penalty area. They got beaten on the counter right at the end of the game. A sucker goal to concede. West Ham still in very good position, though, Rog, in fifth place. Um, really, really on the heels. Just one point behind Man City. Uh, just four points behind Arsenal. OK, Rog, in other Premier League action, West Brom nil. Norwich won. After 10 games without a win, the Canaries earned three points and emerge from the relegation zone thanks to a Robbie Brady goal. Norwich now two points clear of the drop. 
Watford, one. Stoke City, two. Goals from John Waters and Jose Lu cancel out a late, fat Drake header and keep the Potters' Europa League hopes very much alive. They're eighth. Four oh. points of fifth place. Thrill is gone for Watford, Dave. Third yeah. league defeat in a row. Won only twice in their last 13. Mm-hmm. Kike Sanchez Flores' team. They're now playing out the string. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Swansea won. Aston Villa nil. The Swans' Federico Fernandez scores the game's lone goal with an assist from Villa keeper and occasional powerballed Bradley Edwin Guzan. Oh. Swansea now on 36 points. They appear to have bailed enough water to stay afloat. Yeah, they are safe. They were worried for the mental sanity of any neutral who sat through this dross. Even winning captain Ashley Williams described the game as a, quote, grind that was not enjoyable. Notable only because A, it was so crap, and B, Villa couldn't care less about their destiny. Brad Guzan, you can't have nice things. At Mr. Thomas S. Tip said, officially ready for Brad Guzan to move to Colorado and be Tim Howard's back up talking about moving on oh the boom about to drop yeah he'll be the 27th premier league manager to lose his job this season rog reports around the newly recomposed aston villa board are ready to sack the frenchman who's won just two of his 20 premier league matches yeah why do they get rid of tim sherwood still don't understand it rog uh, I don't appreciate his comedy. <laughs> yeah, they do. we did we did <laughs> uh okay rog waiting for us on the other side of the international break Come on, the US against Guatemala. The UEFA Champions League quarterfinals. Manchester City, the lone English team left, play PSG. Oh, the biggest thing to come out of the Gulf since oil. (laughs) My favourite Spanish Guinness purveyor, the James Joyce pub in Madrid, will be packed for Atletico versus Barcelona. And speaking of Madrid, Real Madrid take on Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich take on defending Portuguese league champions Benfica. The two-leg affairs will be played on back-to-back weeks. The first matches kick off Tuesday, April 5th. Looking forward to those. Four of those Champions League quarter-finalists will also take part in the International Champions Cup this summer. The big one! The participants were announced this morning. They include European powerhouses Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich and Leicester City. The tournament kicks off July 23rd. Games will be played across America, 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 and in a handful of European locations. At Matt Kuzma tweeted, the Foxes finally did it. They earned promotion to the International Champions Cup. Yep. The thought that Leicester City are going to play PSG in Los Angeles and then Barcelona in Sweden. Yeah. Football is amazing. Mm, So good. A massive week ahead for US soccer, Rog, with both the full US men's national team and the under-23s attempting to qualify for major tournaments. The Von Trapps take on Guatemala Friday and Tuesday in World Cup qualifying. On the same days, the under-23s face Colombia in a two-leg winner-take-all Olympic (sighs) qualifying affair. For Jurgen Klinsmann's team, pair of games in which the mission is as much to restore confidence as it is to win. Clint Dempsey, he's back. Named to his first roster... Since October, Bobby Wood scored nine goals in eight games in the second division Bundesliga. Interesting to watch because Josie returning from injury. be fascinating to see whom Jürgen trusts. And at the other end, we're both Brad Guzan and Tim Howard in transition. And Bill Hamid injured. Going to be interesting to see what occurs in the back line. Just as interesting to watch the under-23s uh, play Colombia in Barranquilla. And Frisco, Texas on the same days as a big team play. We wish Jordan Morris, Matt Miazga, Jerome Kisafeta and yeah. the rest courage. Got to ask you though, Davo, what do you think of the new jerseys? 
You know, I wasn't a fan of the uh, last jerseys. Or the ones before that. Yeah. But I just feel a little lost. I, I feel like we're not... I feel like we want some pureness back. We want some design back. I look at this Guinness can sitting ahead of us. It's just so beautiful. Playing the Guinness and it, can. It, but it, but it, it like plays to the heritage of this amazing heritage. brand. And it's just beautiful, simple design. This is like... It's too many notes. It's just too much rubbish. It's just too much added on. I don't enjoy it. I'm not happy about it, Rog. Scott Munson, vice president of Nike Football Apparel, said, The U.S. Soccer Federation pushes us like nobody. They want us to be bold and take risks at all times. By looking bold, I think he means look cheap and nasty. I think they look cheap. I was just about to say that. I think they look cheap. Yeah, I'll, I will say their release was a great day for the Free the Nipple campaign. Those things are tight. Yeah. But I'm also shocked that they've taken the risk of ditching this nation's traditional fluorescent marker yellow socks, <laughs> which is an outrage. But I, I always hate it, Dave. I hate it when teams allow their national jerseys to be fit into a manufacturer's template. Yeah. England, France, and now the US, they're almost all identical jerseys. Yeah, you're right. They're just cut and paste. Yeah. And so the only identity they actually promote is that of the manufacturer rather than their own nation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You look at Belgium's jersey an exquisite confection by Addy. And you only wonder what great garments it could be for this country of ours. I agree with you, yeah. by the way. Heritage, the heritage yeah. of ours. There's no heritage in that jersey. Absolutely none whatsoever. Week three of the MLS season, Rob MLS action. Saw LA Galaxy emerge victorious from the season's first California Classico. They beat San Jose 3-1 in SoCal Saturday. Rogelio. Oh, fascinating game. Mostly because Stevie G went off injured. Yeah. I'm injured. I'm injured. After four minutes. I've tweaked something. <laughs> Something's gone. Tweaked. I just don't feel right. I don't know my legs. So I can't feel my legs. <laughs> it's the highways. It's the driving. It's getting oh. to me. Oh, and the Galaxy looked more balanced and assertive without him. Yeah. Oh, San Jose really never in the game. Mm. I think about Stevie G, David. Yeah. He is Liverpool to his core. Born and bred. Yeah. And I just think by removing him from his natural terrain, David. His habitat. I mean, LA is about as antithetical as a town gets from Liverpool. Mm. Just adjusting to living in that climb, yeah. if all you've known is Liverpool, yeah. would take all of a human's energy. Never mind There's trying to play dominant football at the same tan. time. Not enough spray tan. <laughs> I just, I'd love to be wrong, because it would be great for the league if he could ride high once more. Um, out here, but it's going to be very difficult. It makes it all a confusion. Well, I'll take the 405 to the 10 to the 1. <laughs> to the 101. Yeah, to the, to, to the harbour. To the harbour freeway. Yeah, I think it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot, is all I'll say. Red Bulls scored their first goals, grabbed their first win of the season in a 4-3 brawl against Houston Dynamo. And Seattle and Columbus remain winless. Okay, on to our Ravens, Roger. Our first Raven is from Stephen Salas of Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. I just love that there's a place called Oklahoma. <sighs> Tim Howard assigned with Colorado Rapids. Returning to an MLS, he left aged 24. It seems like only yesterday he was starring at the World Cup, yet his last two seasons oh, have been challenging. What has happened, and how will his time in England be best remembered? Roger. Oh, with joy. With citizens swarming him in the streets. Mm. Yeah, U.S. It was only, it felt like only maybe a, se half, a season ago that the Everton fans would cheer U.S.A. Yeah. You, so I like to stop the movie at that yeah, point, exactly. David. I mean, a 
Colorado deal, $700,000 transfer fee, a three-and-a-half-year contract. Yeah. Averaging around $2 million a year. He's not the first goalkeeper designated player. That was Frank Ross. Great deal for MLS. Of Red Bulls, but he is the first to earn a seven-figure annual salary. I say he's a fantastic guy, Tim Howard. Fantastic leader. At his peak, he was a fantastic reflex shot stopper. His 2014 World Cup game against Belgium will go down in national law. But it was also a watermark in his career. His focus never seemed the same. Mm. He took a break from the US team around the same time to travel back and forwards to Memphis, where his young children live with their mother. And as Everton declined over the past year, Tim has become a lightning rod. Roberto Martinez refused to drop him, talked about the intangibles of leadership that Tim brings to a team. I think Tim became a symbol for fans of Martinez's unwillingness to make changes. And there became friction between the American and Everton's own fans as a result. It wasn't the end to his career that Tim would have wanted. It wasn't the one that he deserved. 412 appearances, David. One magnificent goal. 10 years. Tremendous servant of the club. And I'll say the saves he made in the 2009 FA Cup semi-final penalty shootout against Dimitar Berbatov Mm. and Rio Ferdinand that propelled Everton to glory. They made me sob like a child. How how do you remember it? Well, I remember being in a heated argument with an English journalist uh, in Germany in 2006 when we were talking about Tim Howard. And I described him as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And this was laughed at by him. And then another couple of English journalists who covered Everton, watched them regularly, sort of leapt to my defence and said, you know what, he's amazing. There's no shot stopper like him. And I think at his best, he was phenomenal. And I think what he did for American, even with the great tradition of American goalkeepers in the English Premier League, I think he was something better. I think he was something different, a real athlete, a real American athlete going there and playing. I think obviously his performances in the US have been amazing. But I think... In England, his longevity, played at United, played at Everton, um, I think it really says something. Uh, And I hope that he's still got a lot in him. What I worry about goalkeepers is when goalkeepers decline, it tends to go. You see very few goalkeepers decline and then come back again. It tends to go because it's such a confidence position. Like house beams. Yeah, I hope that he still has it in order to go and show something in MLS. And his best, he was one of the great pure shot stoppers um, in football for a period. What has changed is goalkeeping has changed. And what a goalkeeper is expected to do has changed. And the the area a goalkeeper is meant to dominate, the goalkeeper's ability with their feet, a sweeper-keeper notion. Goalkeeping is really... Manuel Manuel Neuer has ruined it for everyone. All around him. The sadness for Tim, I think, will lie in the fact he returns from England having never won a trophy with Everton. Absolutely, Rog. Okay, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, soccer scribe, Raven of the Week is an anonymous Spurs fan. What? She's ashamed ashamed of being a Spurs fan. Every time I speak about Spurs, I feel pangs of guilt because I think, God, I really (laughs) love this team. I really do love this team. I'm a closet Spurs fan. Dear Rog and Davo, I have a confession to make. A few weeks ago, you read a raven from Mark, a Tottenham fan, who wanted to sign up for your as-yet-unrealised GFOP dating service. Mark explained that he was looking for a female Spurs fan with whom he could watch games and take sad naps. I was... dot, 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 curious... The fact that Mark Mm. lives in Missouri, which is considerably outside of my own geographic region, was of slight concern. But what great love story hasn't faced its share of obstacles? Mark seemed funny and reasonably intelligent. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which, but just because he's a Spurs fan, you think that. So I made up my mind to send you my contact info to pass along to him. Maybe we could be the success story upon which you build your dating service empire. We must say at this point, this is not an official uh, Men in Blazers GFOP dating service, but we do approve of it. However, before I hit send, it occurred to me that maybe I should do some reconnaissance. What is the internet for if not Googling strangers, right? <laughs> A brief search led me to Mark's Twitter page. Picture was fine. Words were spelled correctly. So far, so good. I scrolled through a few of his tweets and saw one referencing a freshman religion class. Hmm, perhaps he's a college professor. I kept scrolling <laughs> and then there it was. The tweet that began, you know you're a college student when? I sighed. To be clear, none of this is a reflection on Mark, who appears to be a great guy. It's just that, as a college freshman, he could potentially be as young as 17 years old, and I'm in my mid-30s, and oh God, this is the kind of stuff you hear about on the news. Despite this little episode, I remain hopeful that I'll someday find that great guy who appreciates soccer as much as I do, and ideally at least dislikes Arsenal. And I still think the GFOP dating service idea has potential. Obviously, there are a few kinks you'll need to work out, namely age parameters, <laughs> or maybe just set up a separate site for GFOP juniors. When you have that all figured out, please let me know sincerely. Name withheld for obvious and potentially law-violating reasons. <sighs> Fantastic. We could have two sections, the Marcus Rashford section and yeah. the Dean McKellis age. Oh, someone did set up yeah. www.gfopsingles.com. Fantastic us. website. Not us, no, I, us, I assure you. Yeah. Because I, I, I want to go on the record and just say this. I think it's a crazy idea. Yeah. I, I would never recommend wooing and courting someone just because they listen to this show. It, it's awful. Mm. It's like trying to match mate because two people, you know, share common base instincts. Yeah, you, but, you both yeah, have, yeah, but the concept you, of you, GFOP singles. You both have halitosis. Yeah. You'd love each other. Yeah. Well, you both hate foreigners. You guys should date. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, but I feel like the way that people are responding to GFOP singles, it's not about love for Rog and Davo. It's about wanting to meet people who are fans of the same teams that they are fans of, or at least detest the same teams that they detest, or at least share a common love of English Premier League football. Pubs. <laughs> Go to a pub <laughs> and meet somebody in a pub. I see. No, it's very point. That's what we really need to get into, pub Pubs. ownership. You know that, Rog. You know that's the only reason I do this. Okay, your international break weekend looks like this, courtesy of Mini USA. As we mentioned, it's a big Friday night for US soccer. The under-23s take on Colombia in the first leg of that tie that determines who goes to the Olympics. The game is set for 5 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. And later that night, the full U.S. men's national team take on Guatemala in World Cup qualifying. Ha, That's 10 p.m. Eastern time on B in Sport. And in an international friendly, we promise not to read too much into Germany host England at 3.45 p.m. Eastern time Saturday on ESPN2. Okay, for those of you coming to this year's Golden Blazer, presented by Mini, Wednesday, April 6th at 8pm, this year's event includes Men in Blazers' first ever Blazer Drive. Bring a blazer suit or sport coat to donate to Hope for the Warriors Transition Services Program, which supports the goals of service members, veterans and their families as they move from military careers into professional roles. For those who cannot attend the Golden Blazer, but still want to make a donation, you can send it to the attention of Jennifer Friedel, Oh, I wonder if she's related to Brad. To this address, Hope for the Warriors, 55 Water Street, Brad's concourse mom. level, New York, New York, 10041. We've posted the address on our website as well. 
There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. MIB gets a tiny percentage that allows us tiny. to cover the costs of creating this crap podcast. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. Oh. A History of Violence. Yeah. Living and Dying in Central America. Yeah. By Oscar Martinez. Yeah. A Salvadorian journalist who wrote The Searing Book, The Beast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A masterpiece in which he rode on the roof of La Bestia, yeah. the train that takes migrants from south to northern Mexico on the way to America, yeah. to a brutal gauntlet of bandits, narcos, uh-huh. gangbangers, and other murderous threats. Yeah. This book is a collection of his essays in which he examines the root basic human question, mm. despite the brutal life-threatening dangers migrants mm. face. What makes him risk these dangers at the outset by the million? Mm. It's immersive writing telling of lives lived in El Salvador and Honduras where authority has collapsed and narco gangs rule. Say Oscar Martinez is a brave and amazing inspirational man and I'd love to have him on the pod when he's next in the United States. Maybe with Paul Giamatti. Yeah, absolutely. You need to do some lighter reading, my friend. Okay, uh, Rog, I'm putting in... I'm, I've become... Maybe this is the effect of being 50. I don't like garbage. Have you always not liked garbage? Do you know what? I, as I've got older, as I've got older, I like clean surfaces. I don't like mess. I like everything being ordered. I enjoy recycling. I enjoy wrapping up my, uh, breaking down my boxes, wrapping them up in twine, putting them out. I mean, here in New York, we literally have to put things on the sidewalk. It's ridiculous on recycling night, uh, which for me is tonight, recycling night, put it out for Wednesday morning. But I enjoy the tidying up. I enjoy the assembling of garbage. I enjoy doing all of it and the organization of it. But I always feel like I'm going to let it get out of control. However... To help me cope with this, I have purchased a new garbage can in addition to my built-in garbage, you know, just to the side of the sink. I've got this to go and put in my storage closet for my recycling. It's the Simple Human Rectangular Step Trash Can Recycler. It's in stainless steel. Rog, look at this. That is a beautiful, a beautiful piece of trash recycling hardware. It's gorgeous. So efficient for the job of recycling, which is so important, Rog. It's not cheap, $179.99, but it's something you will keep forever. The Simple Human Rectangular Step Trash Can Recycler in Stainless Steel. It's not a garbage can, Dave. Yeah. It's the thin line dividing you from chaos. (laughs) That is actually how I feel. I'm very, very sick. Okay, you can now watch entire episodes of our crap TV show on NBC Sports Live Extra, Apple TV, and oh, Roku. Terrible. It's also up on our website, meninblazers.com. Also on meninblazers.com, a place to sign up for our newsletter, The Raven, That's very which good. we produce with our partner Guinness. We've got a Spotify account, men That's underscore good. in underscore blazers. Meninblazers.wikispaces.com forward slash. amazing. A wonder, it's a of, the wonder of the modern world. It is, Rog. We've got a Twitter at Rog Bennett, at meninblazers, at Embassy Davies. We've got an Instagram at meninblazers, at embassy underscore davis we've got a facebook account i've never seen it but i hear it's very good we've got a subreddit meninblazers.reddit.com it's maintained by gfop's akshay calvin and alex oh, the banana armor of reddit yeah you can always send your ravens to the crap part of soho you can always send your emails to meninblazers at gmail.com vendorpunk rog war pig who wants to sex matumbo explosion courage living the dream is that your analysis to tweed abrogado rock on mate kung fu fight in america love you rog love you davo and love you belgium